Hi, I'm Roland Vibe, and I'd like to thank you for listening to the podcast today. So today, uh, traditionally, I've been kind of focused on big picture items. So today, I'm going to be dealing with a little bit more um, what I would call technical material, dealing with um, it's something that's really relevant and lots of people are uh, curious about, is the topic of deducting home office expenses. Um, I think it touches on a couple of, as we get into this, you'll see, um, it, it touches on a couple of my big, I guess, criticisms of the Canadian tax system. One is that it's far more complicated than it needs to be. Um, it shouldn't be this complicated, but it is. And second, it's a, it's a really good example of how tax law is really, really slow to adapt to, to changes in society and how the world works. Um, these rules are quite archaic. They don't make a lot of sense in some instances, and they really just don't reflect the way the world is right now. So uh, those have always been a couple of my criticisms of a, of a tax system, the Canadian tax system in particular. And I think this is a really good example of how um, that, that hits home. Um, so the rules for deducting home office expenses will differ depending on the type of uh, person you are. So if you are an employee, uh, the rules are different than someone who is a commissioned employee. So someone who is still employed, but part of their their compensation is, is by way of commission. So there's separate rules for them. And then those who are individuals who are self-employed have a different set of rules. So I'm not going to deal with everything today. I'm going to focus on what I would call the typical salaried employee, someone who is uh, employed in an organization. And they collect a salary and there's no variable compensation part of it. There's no commission structure. Um, and, you know, I will touch on a few points dealing with uh, self-employed and commissioned employees, but, but generally it'll be focused on strictly the traditional salaried employee. Um, and for those of you who are sitting there saying, okay, well, you know, I'm self-employed. Um, I'm not an employee. I'm self-employed because I have my company and I work for my own company. Uh, a little bit of caution here. I mean, if you have your own co company and you're working for the company, even though you own it, you are actually an employee. You're not going to fall into that self-employed category. So self-employed is really restricted to those people who are unincorporated, have their own business, and um, it's their business exclusively. Um, so yeah, again, let's focus on just the, the traditional employee. So um, the first question is, before we get into the question of, you know, what can I deduct? I think the first thing we need to look at is, uh, are you able to deduct home office expenses? And as that salaried employee, there's really uh, two ways that you can fit into the rules and be able to deduct these expenses. The first one is that um, your home office needs to be the principal place of employment where the, your duties of employment are performed. So again, think of that. It's got to be the principal place where you carry out your work. So principal is not a defined term in the act. I think it's generally viewed to be uh, greater than 50%. So if you spend more than 50% of your time doing your job from your home office, then you meet one of the t either one of the two criteria to, uh, uh, to be able to deduct the home office expenses. So that seems like a simple enough uh, that, you know, criteria, but um, you know, even then, you know, there, there are some things that we don't know about these rules. I mean, so, you know, if you're working more than 50%, what's the measurement period? Is it for the entire year? So you look at 2020 and say, uh, you know, more than 50% of the year in 2020, I worked for my home office. Or because if that's the case, then 
in, in the COVID era, you might not meet those criteria. So, you know, if you work the first uh, two and a half months of 2020, uh, spent a few months at home, and now you're doing a hybrid arrangement, then you might not meet the 50% criteria, the principal place of carrying out your duties, if it's measured on the full calendar year basis. Um, you know, conversely, if you're able to break that down into, let's say, monthly chunks, and if you spend more than 50% of a particular month in uh, working from home, and that's your principal place of working, then perhaps you do. So there's not a lot of clarity in terms of what that measurement period is. Um, so, you know, that's, that's you know, an open question. We really don't know. I mean, you can um, take your own position on that, but we really haven't got a lot of guidance from the tax authorities on that. And again, the other, the other issue here is that as we settle into, um, you know, the COVID working arrangements, a lot of organizations are employing a hybrid arrangement where, you know, you can work two days, three days uh, from the office, a couple of days at home, and just alternate. So um, if we are going to have this principally carrying out your duties rule, um, what would otherwise be really good public policy of hybrid work arrangements may actually uh, not work for you if you're not going to cross that 50% threshold, regardless of what the measurement period is. So I think we need a bit of clarity around those types of things. Uh, certainly, hybrid work arrangements, I think, are, from a public safety perspective, make sense. Um, and perhaps the rules will need to be adjusted to allow people to do that without jeopardizing their ability to claim these home office expenses. Um, the other criteria, so, you know, it's either got to be your principal place of business or uh, your home office needs to be used exclusively for employment and it needs to be, there needs to be regular and continuous meetings being carried on. So, um, again, it's got to be just a, an office for work only or room for work only and, um, you know, you have to do that regular and continuous meetings. So, again, um, lot of lot of questions around that so the the first thing is you know is it used exclusively for doing your employment work that seems to be um, really prohibitive um, if there's another use to that room that you're using so if you've been able to you know successfully work from your kitchen table and, and be quite productive doing that that's not going to work for you because it's not that kitchen is used for other things if you've got uh, a den or a TV room that you sometimes watch you know, news at night, but you also work there during the day, there's another use to that room, so you're not going to qualify. Uh, an office in your bedroom that is quiet and quite productive, again, you sleep in that room. I'm speeding this whole issue to death, but you can see that there's a lot of circumstances where you can have a very functional workspace to work from, but it is a mixed-use room, and just the fact that it's mixed-use is going to put you offside from, using, from claiming those home office expenses. So even if you do have a room that is entirely dedicated to working from home as an employee, you still have to uh, have regular and continuous meetings there. And the question is, you know, what is a meeting? You're certainly not going to have clients or other work colleagues come into your home. Um, so, you know, you might, in a more modern view or interpretation of what a meeting is, um, consider uh, Zoom calls or any kind of video call uh, or phone calls with uh, work colleagues, clients, um, people that you know you interact with for work. Uh, currently as it stands, there's not a whole lot of case law in the matter. Um, and certainly today, if you were to ask you know, how a CRA views that, um, they are generally of the opinion that these, these new ways of communicating, these Zoom calls and that sort of thing, uh, will not qualify, won't meet the test of of a meeting. So 
if that's how you're going to get deduction for your home office expenses, that you know it, it's really outdated. And, and certainly right now they're taking a very literal interpretation of what a meeting is, and it involves in person, uh, which you know for all practical purposes is really going to make it impossible for you to to qualify under those sets of criteria. So hopefully we'll see some movement on on this concept of what a meeting is, and um, it'll be brought into the 21st century. Uh, you know, it, it, to take into account the different ways that people are interacting today. You know, those are either, you have to meet either one of those tests in order to, to get the deduction. So the question is, what is deductible? Um, and if you're a salaried employee, um, it's not a particularly big pool of deductions that you've got available to you. So uh, first of all, you can't deduct everything. You need to take a percentage of your home office costs. Um, and that percentage is generally on the basis of uh, square footage or on the basis of the number of rooms. So I've seen people use both. I've seen it accepted uh, under both methods as long as you're consistent. Typically, you know, I'll deal with the example of square footage. So, uh, you know, if you're in a thousand square foot home and you've got a dedicated room that is 10 by 10, you know, 100 square feet, you'll be able to claim 10% of the expenses that are available to you. So rooms or on the basis of square footage, as long as you're consistent, is generally okay. Um, so then, you know, the question is, what is deductible? Um, so it's a very limited pool, as I said before. You're allowed to deduct any um, the percentage of the rent that you pay, uh, the percentage of utilities that you incur for operating the house, and any supplies that are directly consumed in the course of carrying out your duties of employment. So that's it. Um, so, you know, if you pay rent and, you know, 20% of your, you have a small uh, apartment and 20% of your, uh, your, works, your home space is used for work and you meet the criteria, then you can deduct 20% of your rent and 20% of any utilities that, uh, utility costs that you incur. If you happen to have to buy paper and supplies, I think generally that would be viewed as a, a supply that's directly consumed and carrying on your, your duties of employment, so that would be deductible as well. Um, but what if you don't rent? What if you own your condo or your apartment or your home? Um, then you know you're you're somewhat limited. Then it becomes really just uh, twenty percent in that example, twenty percent of your utility costs. So um, things like you know some of the major costs associated with home ownership, property taxes, mortgage interest. Um, home insurance, those types of things are generally not going to be deductible to you. So if you think about it, you know, if you use, uh, again, you've got, let's say, as an example, you've got a, a 2,000 square foot home, you've got a dedicated 10 by 10 office, so, you know, 100 square feet out of 2,000 square feet, um, you know, and let's say your utility costs are you know, everything, water, uh, electricity, heating, average out to be $400 a year. Uh, $400 a month. So $4,800 a year um, and, you know, 5% of your uh, home is used for the office times 50% tax rate. Uh, if you're able to deduct those expenses, it's not going to be particularly rich. So um, certainly there is a bias towards those who rent uh, versus those who own. And I think that's an example where, uh, you know, just the rules are that way for reasons which escape me. They've been like that for the longest time, but they certainly don't make a lot of sense from a, from a policy perspective. So if you are a commissioned employee, um, then 
and you own, you own your own place, then you're you're in a little bit better position than someone who is just salaried. Uh, if you're in, if you're a commission employee, then you can include your property tax and house insurance into the calculation, which helps. Um, but uh, certainly, mortgage interest is off the table, and you have to be self-employed to be able to deduct the proportionate amount of your your uh, your mortgage interest. So again, slightly better position if you're a commission employee, but still not you know in in good a position if you were renting your place. Um, so there's there's a couple of areas you know, of, of concern that I've got. I mean, number one, if you're an employee, either salaried or commissioned, you're not able to claim depreciation on any of the equipment that you buy. So if you have to buy a desk, you have to buy a new laptop or whatever it happens to be in order to do your job, you cannot claim the depreciation on that. That, that only, um, only those who are self-employed have the ability to do that. So, I mean, if you're an employer, you certainly can't be expecting, uh, I don't think anyways, you can't be expecting your employees to buy their own equipment. I think in that case, as an employer, you should be supplying it. The, uh, the company or the organization can depreciate and claim the expense uh, because certainly the employee can't. If you're sitting there as an employer saying, you know, I'm going to let my employees buy their own equipment and they'll be able to benefit by, by depreciating the expenses and saving money on tax, that's definitely not going to happen. Um, there's a lot of questions, you know, again, one of the things that you can deduct, I said, represent supplies that are directly consumed in carrying on the duties of employment. There's, uh, there are some open questions about what falls into that category. Um, there are some, uh, tax people who say that, you know, that doesn't include uh, home internet. It doesn't include, uh, cell phone and those types of things. Others say it, it does include it. Um, I'm of the opinion that I, I believe that home internet, if you're responsible for it, uh, is not, not not that much different than a utility these days, um, and certainly cell phone. I would put those telecommunication costs into the bundle of expenses that, that you would be, be able to deduct, um, but there are certainly some people in the tax community who say that that's not a deductible expense. So I, I guess the point I'm trying to hit home here is that uh, even within the community of people who practice tax for a living, there's certainly some, there's still some uncertainty around that. So it's it's a very good case for the fact that we, we need clarity. These these rules are uh, need to be strengthened. Um, there's the question about you know proportionality. I talked about taking a percentage of the uh, the home office expenses based on square footage, for example. Uh, is it possible? Is it appropriate? for uh, to deduct a higher percentage than on the basis of square footage. Uh, I think there's strong arguments to be made that that is the case. Um, if you work from home and you had a very basic, uh, I'm gonna focus on internet. Uh, if you had a very basic internet uh, package and you've had to upgrade it because you were hitting overage charges uh, or the speed of the, of the package, which was perfectly good for your, your own personal use is just not up to it for the, uh, the added uh, expectations of working from home and video conferencing. So if you've had to upgrade your, your internet package, uh, I would submit that there's a pretty good reason, a pretty good basis for deducting the incremental cost, not just, let's say, 5 or 10% on the basis of square footage. Is, again, there's not a lot of clarity on that. I think I would go on, on the basis of first principles in that sort of situation, where essentially you deduct you know, cost expenses um, on the basis of square footage, but if there are certain line items in there that are more appropriately done on an incremental basis or some other methodology that is a better measurement of how much is used in carrying out your employment duties, then I'd, I'd, I'd 
probably suggest doing it. But it, it's again, it's not clear. If you do that, uh, you may run into troubles with the uh, with the tax authorities. Um, the other thing is, if you actually look at the Income Tax Act, and you know, I'm talking in general terms here, but if you actually look at what the legislation says, uh, it basically says that you're allowed to deduct these expenses if you are required as a condition of your employment or it's in your employment contract that you must pay for those. So, um, and that, again, that wording has been in the act forever. I'm paraphrasing, but it's essentially a re you're required to work from home. It's almost as if the employer is forcing you to and you have no choice. Therefore, reluctantly, you can deduct the home office expenses. Uh, with that kind of wording in the act, I mean, that really doesn't capture where we are right now. I mean, uh, there's very few people who are currently working from home who've actually got that in their employment contract. It has been thrust upon us as a matter of public health. Um, and, you know, it's definitely not in the contract. So if, you, if, the, if the tax authorities are going to apply a strict interpretation of that, uh, you know, even if you generally meet the criteria, you might not uh, you know, fall and be able to deduct these expenses because you are not required. It's not in your contract. Um, I'm hoping there's going to be some clarity on that and some relieving measures. Um, but, you know, if there's not, then, then maybe, um, you know, as an employer, you might consider sending a letter to your employees and saying, you know, due to the pandemic and concerns for, for your health and the health of your colleagues, you must work from home. And I, that may be a, a reasonable substitute for having that condition into your actually in your employment contract. But, but again, I'm hoping there, there's going to be some clarity and relaxing around uh, that, one, that one condition. Um, and it also doesn't encompass situations where working from home is voluntary. So again, you know, many organizations, uh, the bigger the organization, the broader the scope of people's comfort levels. So you may have some people who absolutely don't mind working from home. They feel safe. They're able to distance themselves. And others where you know either they have pre-existing conditions or they're with uh, they interact with other family members who may have who, who may be a higher risk and they voluntarily um, decide to work from home. And certainly that's the case in our organization in our firm. Um, people can work uh, from the office or they can work from home, and it's entirely up to them. So again, you know this is a uh, decision to work from home may be voluntary. It might not be in your contract, and it might be voluntary. And again, on the surface, that might preclude you from being able to deduct these home office expenses. Uh, looking for clarity on this, I think we will get it. But you know, if you were to ask me today, that is potentially a problem that would uh, prevent you from deducting these expenses. How does the claiming of home office expenses actually work? Um, so right now, in order to claim these expenses, there's a particular form that you have to fill out on your, your tax return. It's called the T777. Um, and many people have never really looked at that. I mean, there's, there's copies on the CRA website. Um, it's easy enough to fill out, provided you know, you've compiled all the information, but that is something that, um, that you need to, to fill out as part of your tax return, so it's an extra schedule. Um, and your employer, traditionally, your employer has needed to give you a form. It's called a T2200, and that form the, pr the employer provides to you uh, that says that you are required to work from home and it's that form that's issued to you that gives you the authority to deduct the home office expenses. Um, so that's the way it's, it's typically worked. Um, in the past, you know, maybe there's been you know, 20, 30,000 people, I don't know, but the number of people who've deducted home office expenses is in the tens of thousands. And I think now we're looking at um, 
millions of people who may conceivably be in a position to deduct home office expenses. So, you know, the traditional reporting form of the T2200 may be a little bit cumbersome, and we might need some uh, streamlining of that process for an employee in an organization with thousands of employees to be able to, you know, to have to fill out these forms and issue them to all of your employees may be, uh, it may be quite uh, administratively complex. It might be a lot of work. So there's some discussion right now that the CRA may streamline that process. They might have a simplified version of that T2200 form, but um, at least as we you know sit right now, that is something that you will need to uh, to have issued to you by your employer. And as an employer, it's something you're going to need to uh, to provide to your employees. Um, traditionally, again, I talked about you know, I use that word a lot. Um, the you know the deduction of home office expenses has been a relatively active audit area. So. If you are one of the, these individuals who's been able to rightly deduct home office expenses under the old reality we lived in, um, you probably have been audited. The audit rate is fairly high on those things. Uh, I don't think that level of scrutiny, you know, and, and it, it made sense if there was you know, tens of thousands of people doing it, you could select uh, a good subset of those people and, and audit their claims. Um, if we're now dealing with millions of people, I don't think that will be a, uh, practical. You won't be able to audit millions of home office expense deductions. So I think, again, we're going to have to have a streamlined process. I think we're going to need some clarity around, from the CRA on what people are able to do without, uh, without creating a, a lot of administrative burden to both companies and taxpayers. And we're going to have to see what level of audit scrutiny that they apply to this. Because certainly if they, they audit these claims the way they traditionally have, then uh, it's, you know, it's going to take a heck of a lot of resources to, uh, to enforce these home office deduction rules. Um, we are seeing some administrative policies that are coming out of the, the CRA. Right now, they've said that, um, you know, I mentioned earlier that as an employee, you can't depreciate the cost of equipment. Um, they've come up with uh, an administrative position where each employer can can give uh, $500 to their employees to purchase home office equipment without it being a taxable benefit to the employee. But it's limited to $500. So it's not going to cover the laptop and scanner and printer. It's, pr you know, it probably allows someone to get a really good chair. Um, but that's about it. But certainly that's so far what we've seen from them is that this Five hundred limit, five hundred dollar limit. You could uh, give that to to an employee for the purchase of equipment without them uh, having a taxable benefit. Um, so, you know, I talked earlier about this lack of clarity around whether things like a cell phone or home internet are even deductible. Again, I, I think it ha it is, um, but if there are certain expenses that are on the bubble and we don't have a lot of clarity, then perhaps the better approach, um, instead of letting the employees deduct it. Uh, if the employer can afford to do so, they could reimburse the employees for that. So um, if it's a reimbursement of internet, um, it's not going to be a taxable benefit to, uh, to the employee, uh, or at least it should not be, uh, or a portion of the home internet and a portion of cell phones and that sort of thing. So um, you know, if there's a question about certain items, whether they can fall into the pool of deductible home office expenses, uh, that uncertainty can be dealt with by having the employer reimbursed so that the employee is not uh, necessarily enriched by it. Uh, and, you know, I think we should be okay and that not be treated as a taxable benefit to them as long as they're not being enriched. Um, so I think going forward, uh, what we need to really focus on is uh, keeping an eye out for changes to these rules. 
Um, the old rules worked okay. Um, you know, they had some real flaws in them, like the distinction between somebody who owns or rents. But for the most part, people could live with it. And I think now that we're dealing with, you know, several orders of magnitude numbers of taxpayers who are going to try applying these rules, we we need something to uh, to bring them into a more modern era, to perhaps uh, change some of the criteria of what's you know, meeting regularly and continuously, and really just kind of bring them into 2020 standards. Um, and the other thing that's really important, I think, is for people to temper their expectations. And I think. You know, some people are saying this is, you know, I'm working from home. I'll be able to benefit substantially through a, a reduced tax rate on this because I can deduct my work from home expenses. If you happen to have, you know, pay $2,000 a month rent for a uh, downtown condo and 20% of your workspace is, is eligible for the deduction, yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, going to generate some decent savings for you. If you own your own home and your utility costs are, you know, three hundred dollars a month, and you know, five percent or ten percent of your home is used for work, then you're not going to benefit too much. So you might even see some people forego the deduction of home office expenses on the basis that it's just you know it's going to use up two weekends of my life, and I'm going to make you know it's going to save me eighty dollars of tax or whatever it may be. So you know, absent any streamlined process, you might see a whole lot of what would otherwise be eligible people claiming these home office expenses to just simply forego and say, nah, it's not worth it. So again, um, looking for you know some some updated criteria. I'm confident that uh, the clarity will come, but right now, you know, if you're looking for it, that's kind of the state of the art. And um, you know, again, like I said at the introduction, it's an excellent example of how things are far more complicated than they need to be. Uh, you would think home office expenses would be a relatively straightforward thing, and there's lots of like I indicated, lots of areas where you know there's uncertainty on how. Uh, certain criteria are applied, what is a deductible expense, and it's just really not uh, in line with uh, these rules. Again, you know, we're in place, I don't know when they were developed, but when I started practicing tax in 1993, these same, same rules were on the book. So they've been, been around for at least 27 years, possibly longer, and uh, you know, they just need to be updated and uh, simplified and brought into the, to, uh, in line with life in 2020 and beyond. Hope you found this useful and uh, thank you for watching.